Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Kind of Funny X-Cast, your home for all things Xbox here at Kind of Funny. Of course, I'm one of your hosts, Snowbike Mike, and today I am joined by the two raddest dudes here on planet Earth, the two guys that make me smile, make me think, and make me inspired to be better each and every day. Of course, rounding us out, my two gaming dads, Mr. Paris Lilly. Paris, welcome back. It's Monday that we're recording this, so happy Monday. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Happy Monday. And I just found out before we started recording, I need to jump back into Demon Slayer and finish it. So I'm going to do it. Yes, you do. And you know what? That's going to be our icebreaker question of the day. And we'll start it off with you, Gary Witta. I just found something out, everybody listening and watching over on YouTube and, of course, on your favorite podcast service. My two gaming dads are mega weebs. They're into anime. And so I thought, you know what? Let's talk about anime for a second because who doesn't love some good anime talk? So, Gary Witta, I need to know right now. What is the anime you're currently watching? And what is your favorite anime of all time? First of all, Mike, I got to say, I'm very flattered and also a little bit surprised to hear that I'm in any way inspiring to you because I've given up. <laughs> I gave up a long time ago. I live in my sweatpants. I don't really leave the house. I, uh, I, I, I've long since thrown in the towel. So if you're getting any inspiring vibes from me at all, I can only assume that they're, they're, they're accidental. Um, in terms of anime, I wouldn't call myself a weeb. Not by, a, not by a long shot, but there is some anime that I like. Uh, and it's really been a recent discovery. I mean, I saw Akira the way that you know, everyone saw Akira back in the day and Fist of the North Star and stuff from like way, way back. But in light of the current recent kind of anime resurgence that we've been seeing in recent years, uh, I've only seen like a handful of like, the, you know, the bigger, more popular ones. I've seen, I remember so recently as, a, as an Xbox Game Pass perk, you actually got 75 free days of Crunchyroll, like the full membership. And so I was, oh, great. So I, I, I redeemed it and I watched a lot of anime. But what I mean by that is I watched the first 10 minutes of lots of different animes. And within 10 minutes, I'm going like, this one isn't for me next. You know, I have very, very particular tastes. But the ones that I do like, I really like. And I'll put them in some kind of order for you. So I like uh, Attack on Titan. I have kind of a love-hate relationship with Attack on Titan because I, I think it's kind of all over the map, but when it's good, it's really good. Um, I like, um, what was the other one? Oh, so the two, the two main ones, and these are my two, my two favorites. <coughs> I love One Punch Man. That's my overall favorite, and I was very, very excited to see that they're going to do a, a third season, finally. They did the first two seasons, and it's been a long wait for the third season. They're doing a third season of One Punch Man. That's my favorite anime currently. But then almost tied <clears> with it, and I'm so glad that Paris checked in with us because I was on a similar trajectory as him. I watched the first half of the first season and I was like, I don't know if this is for me. But other people said to me, no, keep going, keep going. It's going to get there. And by the end of the second season, which is where they're currently at, I was like, this is some of the best anime, the best shit I've ever seen in my life. And that is Demon Slayer. What a show. 
What a fantastic show. And it is a slow start and it can be frustrating at first. But by the time you get to the end of that second season, you are all the way in. I'm a big, big Demon Slayer fan. I think it's probably the most popular anime on the planet right now. It's huge. Ooh, all right. Well, Paris, you got, you know, a lot of high praise from Gary to return to Demon Slayer. I'm going to kick it to you because, you know, you and I, we've talked Cowboy Bebop before. So I need to know, what are we into? What's your favorite? And what are you watching right now? So what I'm watching right now is, is Attack on Titan. That would probably, oh. it's really the only kind of anime that I'm, I've really been checking out that's new coming out. Um, trying to think what else. I mean, is, I guess Dragon Ball Z is anime. I guess you could consider it anime. I mean, the new movie uh, is just, just coming out right now. Um, I, I mean, I could take you old school with stuff like Bubblegum Crisis. You know what I mean? I used to watch that back in the day, like Vampire Hunter D, like he, uh, Gary mentioned, Fist of the North Star stuff like that my my all-time favorite is cowboy bebop though i just relate to it on so many different levels um if anything i'm i'm so disappointed by that netflix show and you know netflix rightfully canceled it after one season because it was absolutely horrible and didn't do any justice to that series but um yeah i mean i i can even take you back to stuff like uh i watch uh go lion which is voltron here in the united states but if you watch the Japanese version of Go Lion, it is some of the most violent shit you'll ever see. Yeah, uh, it used know. to be that with, uh, when I yeah. was a kid, I used to watch this thing called Battle of the Planets. I, I was going to say Gacha Man, right? yeah. But if, you watch, yeah. But if you watch the original Gacha yeah. Man, like what I really yeah. they cut all the really bloody violent yes. stuff out for the American version. It's very sanitized. That, I remember they showed like clips from the Japanese version. I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> it's like, like Quentin Tarantino version of Battle oh, of the Planets, my. but that's the original version. Yeah, I grew up like you're saying, uh, with Battle of the Planets. So what, what was the Seven Zark Seven and all seven that? Seven Zark Seven. And then I'll never forget someone got the bootleg VHS tapes and gave me Gotcha Man. I was like, oh my god! Like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, right. That's very an eye opener. Yeah, very much so. Um, another one would be here in the United States. It's called uh, Star Blazers, but Battleship Yamada. Mm -hmm. that, that's another one that that's great. Seventies anime. Um, there's so many out there. Um, like you mentioned, Crunchyroll. There's another streaming site, and I'm blanking on the name, and I won't take too much time from the show. I'll remember it later, where they have a lot of the, the classic anime stuff that you can watch from the 70s and 80s, which obviously has inspired all the stuff we see today. But I'm going to jump back into Demon Slayer. Like I said, I got halfway through that first season, and it started getting a little cheap, way too cheesy, like even cheesy for anime cheesy. And, and that one character we talked about, I was just he kind of was super annoying to me. So I just stopped watching, even though I really love the, the actual battles that were in there. But like you're telling me, it sounds like it gets even better. So I need to jump back in. Oh, I'll, can I'll I mention it. one other one that I discovered? Mention it, Gary. So Get me in there. I actually did discover one show from Crunchyroll that I ended up watching the whole season and wanted to see more. And this is a totally different genre. I imagine Barrett, I also want to hear from, because I think Barrett's probably the most weeby of all of us here in terms of his <laughs> knowledge, depth of knowledge of anime. He, 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 if anyone else has heard of this show, it's most likely him. But you know, there's this whole other subgenre of, of Japanese anime that isn't necessarily about like robots and mechs and, you know, ninjas and stuff or whatever. It's just like, almost like angsty relationship teen drama. Yeah. And I discovered one on Crunchyroll called Rent-A-Girlfriend. That oh, I got God. really. Do you know? Have you seen it, Barrett? No, but I I, I know the names enough because you know I subscribe to to Crunchyroll and like uh, those type of anime will always pop up and yeah, the, it's really just the the titles of these anime that always I'm like 
That is one that is the most ridiculously uh, named anime ever because there's like, you know, uh, the demon is a part time or the devil is a part timer and stuff like that, where I just kind of scroll through. I'm like, yeah, I don't think any of this stuff is for me. Yeah. It's so bizarrely. I know. And there's like really weird extreme king of omelet cooking and it's just like bizarre (laughs) stuff. It's like, what the hell is that? And you want to check them out because it's so weird. But but this is I I found this was I, I thought this was fascinating because in Japanese culture, if you go to Japan, like loneliness among young men is like a really serious problem. And one of the, and and like a big industry in Japan, this is hundred percent real are these agencies where you can basically rent an attractive young woman who will pretend to be your girlfriend for the day. And it's not prostitution. There's nothing inappropriate that happens, but she'll go on a nice date with you and hold your hand and laugh at all your jokes and pretend to be your girlfriend. At the end of the, at the end of the date, she goes home and it's all like above board, but it's like, it's meant to be like a salve for like lonely young Japanese men who, you know, usually wouldn't be able to get, you know, a, a girl to go on a date with them. That's a real thing in Japan. I, I watched like a documentary about it. It's fascinating. Anyway, there's a there's a there's a whole anime about that about a guy who gets dumped by his girlfriend and he's super sad. And so he so he signs up for one of these rent a girlfriend services. And of course, he breaks the one rule, which is he falls in love with the with the rent a girlfriend. And it's it's kind of a cheesy. You know, it's almost like a farce. It's like, oh, you have to pretend to be my girlfriend in front of my parents now because I didn't tell them that you weren't my real girlfriend. And it's and it's all very silly. But I don't know. That's a whole other like vein of Japanese anime that that kind of introduced me to, and I thought it was really interesting. So it's a rip. It's a rip off of Can't Buy Me Love, basically. What you're saying? Yeah, well, kind of. But it's not about like he suddenly comes into a lot of money. It's just yeah. that he spends some money because he doesn't want to be lonely. And again, in yeah. Japan, that is it's just part of the culture there. I just thought it was. I just thought that was fascinating. That's some good stuff, gaming dads. We so I did. I did find the website just before okay, I forget. Okay. It, it, it's it's Retro Crush. I knew it was something like that. So a lot of ret, retro anime you can watch in there. I think it has a free tier you can watch as well. But you can unlock a premium once you don't get ads and stuff like that too. But yeah, there's 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 a ton of stuff out there that is if you watch this source material, violent as hell. So, oh yeah. So buyer beware. I will ask you, since this is a video game podcast, before we get into the show, my two gaming dads, of course, you talk about Cowboy Bebop and the live action failing. Could you make it a video game, Paris? And what would you do to make it a fun and engaging video game? Would you go with the Telltale style? What would you do for Cowboy Bebop? And then, Gary, I'll ask you one. They made a PS2 version that I I never played, and I'm actually not sure what genre they, they put it in. But I really think with Cowboy Bebop, and God, I know this is kind of cliche to say open world, but I just think the fact that you can go to various planets and you're hunting down bounties, you could really do something with that, with that universe and those, those characters. And, and it's kind of set it in that. I, I'd have to think about it more, but I'm kind of thinking third person action. You get various bounties that you can go after. You don't have to go after them in, in a certain order. And then obviously it would lead up to a culmination at the end, you know, you would confront vicious or something like that at the very end, but it could totally work because the characters are iconic. It, that universe makes a lot of sense. I can absolutely see it translating to a game. I like that. I like that Barrett, our producer slash director right now, putting up some gameplay footage of that cowboy bebop video game. You talked about Paris and that would be dope. Gary, you've brought up a bunch of animes. What would you turn into a video game and how would you make it popular? First of all, I just want to, you know, the, the Cowboy Bebop thing I think is is really interesting. And it's actually something I did talk talk to people a lot about in my in my day job, which is it seems to it seems to be really difficult, if not impossible, impossible to do a live action Western adaptation of a Japanese anime without, you know, it all going horribly wrong. Like something something seems to get lost in translation 
every single time. And I've worked on a couple of these. Years ago, I worked on Akira. More recently, I worked briefly on Full Metal Alchemist. And all of these projects kind of fell apart. And maybe it's for the best because, like, again, they like look, look at Ghost in the Shell, look at Cowboy Bebop. Like, they always seem to struggle. I don't know what it is, but they, I, it, it's, it's like they have a worse batting average than video game movies. Like, they never seem to go well. Um, and I don't quite, I don't know quite why that is. Maybe Hollywood should just should just give up. But it's it's interesting. On the video game side, I actually played a decent one recently. I was so into One Punch Man, I was really excited to see that there's a video game version of it. I played it on Steam, and it's actually pretty good. It's like an open world fighting game. I thought it was really really good. There's an Attack on Titan game as well, which is actually pretty mm -hmm. cool because as Paris will know because he's watching it as well. Is why I think like this you could potentially do a good a good movie version of it. Is that it's that that mechanic. What they call the um, the ODM gear, right? The omnidirectional mobility, basically these kind of grapple guns that you can kind of like Spider Man around on, and that's how they fight the Titans. There's a really really cool mechanic there, and I never played oh, totally. the game, but I, I always felt like that would be that there's there's a good gameplay. It's almost like oh my god, like we're designing this anime like you know custom built to be like an awesome video game as well, because flying around those giant um, those giant Titans with that ODM gear is so cool. Yeah, I, I like that video game. I actually like the Attack on Titan one. And you're so right, Gary, that traversal and movement of Attack on Titan would lend itself very well to a video game. But guys, that's enough anime weebing enough. Because I know if I get me and Baird involved, we're going to be talking all out. It'll be hours. It'll be and hours. And I, I got I to gotta real us in. But just, so uh, just the one can shout it, out, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. It's the best anime. If you haven't watched it, watch yeah, it. Yeah, except for that one episode that we all know what it is and we don't need to talk about we it. We don't need to talk about it. But, uh, you know, just uh, daddy... Daddy. This is why I didn't want to bring it up. Stop. <laughs> Look, one, one, one more for me. Yeah, I swear yes. to God, I'll be quiet. Like you mentioned, Gary, Ghost in the Shell, obviously, because that has inspired so many things, not only in anime, but just in cinema in general, especially from an action standpoint, that if you've not seen it, definitely watch it. That was from the 90s. And, and, and I won't go into detail, but I, I swear at some point I need to have a conversation about what went wrong with the Cowboy Bebop show on Netflix, because I swear it all came down to casting. Well, you know what was interesting wow, about that, Paris, okay. is like when the trailers were dropping and they were doing the promotion, everyone seemed to think like, oh, this looks great, right? It looked, it looked, right until the moment when people saw the actual show, that was when it all fell apart. But like the vibe on it was great until people actually saw it. Yeah, I swear we'll get off of this, but I have to say this one thing. <laughs> yeah, go for it, Paris. Get in there. <laughs> Spike and Jet were great casting. I had no problem with either one of those. Faye, that wasn't Faye. The, it, not the, against the actress, but the way they portrayed her, that was not her. And I'm sorry, Vicious, what was that? That that made no sense to me. And some of the other, uh, you know, B-tier characters, they just completely changed their origins and who they were. And it it, it just never made sense. Hey, and is that, that's what. Is that where your username comes from? Yep. Yeah, 100%. Oh, that's where it comes from. Oh, now it from. will make sense. Yep. Yep. Oh, he's, 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 he's one of my favorite villains ever. Absolutely love that character. So to me, it was just like a gut punch. It was like, this is what you did to my favorite villain. <laughs> oh man, it was horrible. So sorry, we can go to video games. Excited game. and hype. I love that. I love it. I love it. But of course, I do got to get us back on track. This is the kind of funny X cast. We post each and every Wednesday at 6 a.m. West Coast, Best Coast time on youtube.com slash kind of funny games, roosterteeth.com, and of course on your favorite podcast services around the globe. Don't forget us here at Kind of Funny are now Epic Games partners which means if you are buying games off the Epic Games Store, if you're upgrading your look in Rocket League or Fall Guys or even Rumbleverse, or if you're buying things off of the Fortnite Store, like that brand new Dragon Ball Super skins that you can go buy, please use our Epic Creator Code, kind of funny, 
at checkout to help support the team in a brand new way. And talking about support, of course, we'd like to thank those who support us, whether you're watching live right now over on the Patreon live chat, or if you're a Patreon producer for the month of August, like Fargo Brady, Delaney Twining, James Hastings, and Casey Andrew. Thank you all so much for your support. This week, the Kind of Funny X-Cast is sponsored by ExpressVPN, Chime, and Chime, but we'll get into that in a little bit later. Guys, let's jump into it. Of course, we've waited all week. Garish, you talked about it at the end of last week's show, and I told you to hold it for just a little bit to talk with Gary. I got to know, what do you guys think of Colts of the Lamb? Because you said last week, Pears, this could be this year's death door. You still stick by that here after a week. Oh, absolutely. I stick by that. Um, and I'm really dying to hear what, what Gary has to say. So I won't repeat, you know, what I was talking about last week. But yeah, I think this being an indie title coming from Devolver Digital, I mean, no, it doesn't have to be this big AAA experience, but I just think the the art style that they have, the music that's in it, I, I love the the mix of this dungeon crawler slash rogue type game when you're out in the world. And then when you're back at your area, this, this management game that you do at the same time, I think it was a unique blend and it worked for me. I, I really enjoy it. Gary Paris had nothing but positive things to say about this game. Are you feeling the same way? How are you feeling about the balance of so many gameplay genres being put into this? It's it's absolutely going to be on my shortlist for, for game of the year. It's up there. Mm-hmm. And I think it deserves to be in the overall game of the year conversation. It, yeah. it, I mean, it's not, it, it, it won't be, I mean, it, it's not going to win many if any awards because you know i think probably elden ring and god war ragnarok will wind up dominating the conversation but like you know the the smaller indies you know often get kind of caught up in the you know they they get lost in the shuffle when when time comes to talk about game of the year and we oftentimes we kind of gravitate towards the big triple a releases but i don't know maybe not this year because you know there's so much fondness out there for this game i don't know anyone who doesn't like it everyone who's tried it loves it um, and there's so much to like about it. I honestly could talk about it all day. I don't typically play roguelikes, um, but I really, really like this one. Um, what I find most interesting about it, and there's so much to talk about, you know, like the art style and the way that it kind of makes it kind of, you know, a- appalling and a bit cute at the same time. You know, that's that's really, really fun. Um, it's it's such an interesting aesthetic. I don't think anyone's done anything quite like it before. Basically, satanic Animal Crossing. It's just it's wonderful. Um, but what, what I find most interesting is how I was trying to think of other examples of video games that essentially took that essentially took two completely different genres yeah. and jammed them together. And, but it, and, and you would, it doesn't it, like it, it, on paper, it shouldn't work, but it does. It's like peanut butter and jelly. There are these two totally different games. There's, there is this kind of, you know, the, the kind of the community management, um, Sim, uh, Sim City is a bad example. You know what I mean? Like you got to manage all the different resources and keep your people happy and all of that stuff that we played in a million different kinds of games. And then really twitchy action, right? With perks and boss battles and all that kind of stuff. I think the reason why it does work is because both games are really fun in their own right. But yeah. it also means that no, it also means that no one half because it it feels like it's split kind of fifty fifty between the two. I spend more time on the management, but then every now and again I'll go out and crusade. But what I like is anytime one part of the game starts to feel old, go play the other half. Exactly. And that, yep. and, and that, and that's a totally different flavor. And that feels kind of totally fresh. And then that's, and then you think, ah, oh, you know what? I've had enough cleaning up my villagers poop or upgrading my base. I'm going to go kill some monsters and fight some bosses and vice versa. Oh, I'm a little bit tired of fighting the bad guys. Let me go check in on my, um, on my, uh, uh, on my, on my town or, you know, on my cult. And of course you really have to think about that because if you spend too long out crusading, 
your your town can kind of go bad while you know it's all happening in real time so mm -hmm. there's kind of you also you're not just managing the town you're also managing the two halves of the game and like how you spend your day uh this i mean again there's so much to like about it i could do i i, I could be on a games cast for like four hours talking about cult of the lamb i think it's absolutely wonderful i'm so glad it exists uh to me it's everything that's special and interesting about video games in an industry where so much is just repetitive and iterative and the same and i really really hope that come at the end of the year we're talking about it in in the game of the year conversations because i think it absolutely deserves to be up there yeah i completely agree with you on that and i think the realistic approach is going to be from an indie standpoint it's definitely going to be at the top of the list and, and it's going to get the recognition it deserves to your point, I think when we think main line games, it might get lost in the shuffle. Like I don't, I don't see Jeff Keighley having it up there next to God of God of War or, or Elden Ring as an example. But to your point, I think you said it so well: is you have these two distinctly different genres that you're mashing together, and you have to find that balance of doing them both. And like you're like, I, you have no idea how much time I wasted trying to catch a stupid lobster. I wasted oh, so much God, it time takes forever. Oh my God. You know, but to your point, you can't waste too much time because then your followers will get discouraged. And now you need to go back. You got to pick up the poop and you got to manage them and you got to sacrifice someone and run a ritual to get everybody back. So there's so many different things that you're, you have to do, but you aren't necessarily forced them forced to do them in a certain order to your point. Like you want to go out and crusading and the mini bosses and the main bosses and the stuff that you have to fight as well, different weapons that you can get, things like that. It, it keeps you engaged. And that's what I love about it so much. It's just a fun game to go play. And like I said before, that art style, I think it's just, it's fantastic. I, I love it. So yeah, it's not going to win game of the year. I, 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 I think we all know that, but it will be nice if we see it at least show up on some nomination list because I think it deserves think that so. recognition. But yeah. the music, the music, by the way, is also fantastic. Oh my I, god, it's so good! I think yeah. that here's I, I think indie game of the year. I think it's got a good shot of winning a lot of awards. Yep. Mm -hmm. I think I also think that I, when I, a lot I of people the indie space is really stiff this year. I was just uh, typing out in our our live chat like we've got this, we've got Roller Drum, Mike. You need to play Roller Drum. We've got Stray. We've got Neon White. Um, uh, where Those are all really strong, but I'd Sifu say Call of the Lamb and Ali Ali World. Like I think it's a stiff. Uh, Call of the Lamb is as strong as any of those. I, okay. I I I think I think it's going to end up like when you talk about like what was the consensus on indie game of the year. I think Call of the Lamb's got as good a shot as anything, if not better. Um, just a, just a couple of other uh point by the and by the way i'm sure you know this by paris but you got to go you got to go do the ritual to let's let's you catch the better fish yeah. to get the lobster You're right. was, that's what i'm it saying was, it was way. driving me crazy yes. it was driving me crazy yeah. um i think that where i think it will be on a lot of people's 10 best lists and i honestly think like you talk about jeff Keeley when when they when they do their um their shortlist for overall game of the year yes elden ring is going to be in there yes conventional wisdom suggests you know ragnarok will be in there as well i think there's a good chance it, it's not going to win but I think there's a good chance that cold of the lamb will be at least on the on like the five contenders for overall game of the year in a lot of places that give awards i really do yeah in agreement on that that's getting me really excited about this here i'll be let's flip the script because you've said nothing but positive things about this where's the one area that you would be critical on saying this should be elevated in this game. Is there any areas where it's at its weakest? I think they, especially when you're follower, like I think the followers lose faith too too easy. I, I don't like that. But that's, sometimes, that's just, yeah, sometimes they're not entirely clear on why my yeah. followers are getting pissed off. Um, yeah. it's Gotta run, run a better cult, man. 
don't yeah, know if I've ever and, uh, run into that problem, honestly. Um, some sometimes the management part of it can get a bit overwhelming. It's like you feel like there aren't enough hours in the day, and you're being stretched too. Oh, I got to do this. Oh, but this is falling apart. I got to go over here now. Mm-hmm. Like you really have to be doing a lot of things all at once. That that gets a, a, easier later on as you can like kind of automate more things, and your followers will take care of more things for you. But early in the early game, it's it's possible to just start to feel a little bit overwhelmed by the management side of it like it, it starts to feel like it's you're always kind of one step behind where you need to be to kind of keep your head above water um the, the and then the only other thing i would i i'd personally don't agree with this i've heard some people say they think it's too short but for, but for what is it for 25 30 bucks i think it's just right yeah um and then the other actually just one other positive i hate boss battles i don't like games that have a lot of boss battles it's one of the reasons why i wasn't interested in elden ring I'm playing this on the medium difficulty level and the boss battles, the porridge is just right. They're like, sometimes it might, might take me two or three tries to, to get the boss and I'll, and I'll die sometimes with like, you know, when the boss is one shot, I go, Oh my God, I want to throw the controller. But then I go back and get him. That satisfaction when you drop a boss is so, is so, I, I did it. I did it. Like it just, it feels just right. The game at, at the medium difficulty level is tuned just right for me. So that's one of the reasons why I also really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I would say uh, to another negative, thinking about it more, they probably they, they could have done a better job with the early on tutorial to kind of, especially in the management side. Obviously, I think the when you're out fighting the bosses, that's pretty straightforward. But the management side, I think, could have used a little more handholding in the beginning so people right. understood what they needed to do. Because to your point, if you don't manage it very well, or because I, I started over, because I think I even tweeted this at one point. I was like, you know what, screw this. And I just completely started over because like, now I understand what I need to do. Right. And I right. felt like I was going to have a better time. Yeah. Once this I is, started over. Yeah. This is one of those games where the like the, the 10 things to know before you play Cult of the Lamb type article yeah. was really, really worthwhile. Like, you know, just learn a couple of things before you go play. Because I did a bunch of things wrong that I had to go back and like undo later. Yeah. Um, I'll give you one more positive or one more negative. I'll do the negative first. I don't know if they fixed it but the game at launch was a little bit buggy there was a really bad bug where the game would hang during like during character dialogues and you'd have to revert to an earlier save um that happened to me a few times and i heard it happen to a few other people as well and then here's the other positive the twitch integration is really clever and it's really ingenious and the way that when you play the game on twitch you can indoctrinate uh your own followers in the chat basically every time you indoctrinate a new follower everyone in your chat basically gets entered into a lottery and they can become your new cult follower. And they can also confer like bonuses on you when you're in when you're crusading. They can the chat can decide to like give you a bit more health or whatever. It's just it's very, very cleverly integrated. And I think that's a big plus as well. When you know the way that we play games on Twitch is it's such a big part of the way that we consume games now, both in terms of playing them and watching them, that I feel like developers are trying to tune their games better for Twitch and more Twitch integration. Cold of the Lamb is one of the better examples of that of that that I've seen. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I saw Andy Cortez really using that Twitch integration. I thought that was really dope and uh, well done. Let's switch gears talking about an indie game to another smaller game coming from a smaller team over at Obsidian. Of course, last week, myself and Paris sat down and shared the preview of Obsidian's upcoming title, Pentiment, with all of you behind closed doors. We got to see a little preview. Gamescom, a number of people got to go hands-on with the game. But Paris, Gary, we now have the official release date for the game, which is November 15th. The price point is slated for $20, or it's available on Game Pass and, of course, Game Pass PC. Me and Paris talked about the preview and kind of our, you know, engagement level of what this was, uh, Gary, of kind of on the fence to a little bit more interested after hearing Josh Sawyer and Hannah talk about this. I want to grab you, Gary. What do you think about Pentiment from Obsidian? Is this 
tickling your fancy, this kind of murder mystery game. When I first saw it, I I kind of felt like it. I almost fell asleep. I was like, this is not, there's something <laughs> about like the idea of like essentially playing like a medieval tapestry just felt like it was original. I'm, I'm always in favor of different art styles and different aesthetics and original ways of coming at things. And it definitely is that. But it still has to add up to something that interests me. And when I first saw it, I was like, this is a snoozer for me. Like, I just, it just didn't interest me at all. But the more that I've seen of it and the more that I've heard about it, I've started to come around. Now I'm actually quite interested. It just, it didn't grab me right away. I don't think, I don't think it's a game that makes a tremendous first impression because it looks very slow. There's not a lot of action, you know, on screen. But the more you get into it and you realize that this is actually a really thoughtful game and there's a really interesting mystery there potentially. Um, I don't know. I'm, I've, I've come around on it. Right. Well, just right around the corner. Once again, November 15th is the release date for Pentiment. Happy to share that after the big Xbox wire post. Yeah, it seemed like uh, just kind of monitoring the chatter coming out of Gamescom. The people that did go hands on with it, you know, was pretty positive coming out of that. And I think, you know, Gary, uh, both Mike and I were pretty much like you going into that preview where we're like, what is this? I'm not sure this is a thing for me, but hearing the creative director and the art director talk about their their vision for it and what it is i mean i'm interested i'm at least interested to see and we'll we'll see on november 15th when it comes out you know if it turns out to be something for me but is that I'd a like, game is i'm sorry i was gonna say is that a yeah. game pass title yep. yes mm-hmm. oh, i love it love it yep. <laughs> yep. yep but that's the thing they're taking a risk obsidian's taking a risk and they're trying something different and uh, i'm all for that if it lands great if it doesn't hey at least you tried yep. exactly well here's another one here because this is the biggest news coming out of last week. The question on everybody's mind, if you're an Xbox owner, is will Microsoft and Team Xbox raise the price of the Xbox consoles? And we do have a definitive answer. Because, of course, if you're listening to this now, you know that last week, Sony announced that there would be a price increase in several major markets for their PS5, explaining that high global inflation rates and adverse currency trends are leading to this decision. Windows Central reached out to Xbox for a statement to follow up to see if they will go over and increase the Series X and S console prices. Team Xbox did respond with, quotes, we are constantly evaluating our business to offer our fans great gaming options. Our Xbox Series S suggested retail price remains at $299 American US dollars, and the Xbox Series X will remain at $499 American US dollars. So a very positive thing to hear out of Xbox, of course, this is not a set in stone thing. We could change our minds six months down the road, but Paris, to see you shaking your head, nodding your head. To hear this come out of Xbox, are you happy about this? Oh, yeah. Are you yeah. wowed that PlayStation increased their price just last week? I, I've, I've actually been itching to talk about this. And I know we on the show don't necessarily go in on PlayStation or anything about the things we dislike. But when I initially saw the news, I was just like, hey, I know the economy, what's going on with inflation globally. I get it. And my thing is, I feel bad for the people that are affected by this more so than what PlayStation or Sony potentially having to raise the price. But I was like, I understand it. Right. Then when you read into it more and you see they didn't raise the price in the United States, I don't like that for the simple fact is. Of course, you didn't raise the price in the United States because there's legitimate competition in the United States going head to head with Xbox. And obviously, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to see that Xbox is not raising the price or, or Nintendo, for that matter. They're not raising the price and no one's being affected by that, because in my 40 years of gaming, 
I've never seen the price go up at retail. I've never seen this before. So this is the first time I've ever seen it go up. And I understand there's economic challenges around it, but it's disappointing that you're willing to eat the cost in the United States where you have real competition, but everyone else globally, you know, has to pay the price for that. Then you see more news come out today. They've actually, you know, made a lighter version of the PlayStation 5, but, and it's going to cost them less to produce it, but you're still raising the price. You know, that's what sucks to me. Cause I just, you know, we always joke around about game passes is the best value in gaming. It's like, yeah, I'm a cheapskate. I want people to get the best value they possibly can. And you know, there are people out there that want a PlayStation five that can't get one yet. And now when they are going to have the opportunity, they have to pay more than someone did a year ago. And that sucks. Yeah. You have been in this industry a long time, just like Paris brought up. I mean, Usually after year number two, we start to see prices decrease. And if anything, we got to start to see a new model come out. Is this odd to you to see after so much, you know, such a short lifespan, this is already increasing? Yeah, uh, it, was, it was definitely a surprise to me. First of all, to Paris's point, this actually isn't the first time that it's happened and not even the first time recently. It's not strictly a gaming device, but I mean, to some extent it is. MetaQuest 2 went up by 100 bucks just recently. Yep. Uh, Meta raised the price of that, citing a lot of the same concerns. It may be because in, in Meta's case, they're shoveling money into a furnace over there trying to build the metaverse, like in this quixotic quest to, to have like zombie Mark Zuckerberg, you know, in your, in your face all the time. Uh, it might just be that they realize they're losing so much money that they need to bring more in. I don't know. But also, I think, you know, supply chain and inflationary you know, issues, currency conversion, all of these very kind of boring economic things that do have a real world impact. Um, again, to Paris's point, I think it was interesting that they did realize they decided they could afford to ring fence a major market and not raise the price in the U.S., um, I think part of the reason for that is that I just don't think I just think the blowback would have been way worse uh, if they'd have done it, if they'd have done it in the U.S. as well. Um, the other part about it, and, and we touched on this just a moment ago, like the old, you know, we don't we don't pile on the PlayStation. I've said many times, even on Xcast, if I think PlayStation has got the edge on Xbox in some way or does something better, I'll I'll, I'll call it like I see it. Absolutely, I don't, you know, I'm an Xbox enthusiast, but I have a PlayStation Five as well. And I'll go I go yep. where the games are. And it is really good that, you know, Phil Spencer and others have kind of helped us get out of this. You know, the, the Sega does what Nintendo don't like. That's all in the past. We don't do that stuff anymore. Um, but it's still very much that tribalism is still, to, to some extent, very toxic. It's still very much in evidence among certain uh, aspects of the fan base. And when I woke up, I saw the news and I saw a lot of people defending Sony. And I thought it was really interesting because... And I made a point about it on Twitter saying it's it, again, it's still it's a little bit sad to me that there are elements of of a fan base that are so tribal and so loyal to the company that, that they've chosen to give their allegiance to that they will even defend them when the company does something that is hurting them. It's like they, they, they're charging them more money for the play. They raise the price. That's an anti-consumer move. You are you as a potential PlayStation customer. um, or you know, maybe you want to get another one, whatever it may be. They're, they're, they're digging into your wallets. This is not good for you. They're taking more of your money. And some people will still find a way to defend them. And uh, what was interesting about that was even after, after I posted that message, I had a bunch of people in my, in my mentions basically proving my point. Well, you know, Sony's a company like any other, and they've got inflationary concerns and supply chain and blah, blah, blah. Um, basically defending them. And, and then the really, really uh, uh, popular argument was Microsoft and Sony, Microsoft and Nintendo are going to follow suit. This is not unique to Sony. These are global issues. You don't think Microsoft's going to do the same? Just you watch. And then like, it just all happened very quickly. Like an hour later, 
because right. Microsoft and Nintendo both felt the need to respond quickly. Both came out and said, no, we have no plans to raise the price anytime soon. Maybe they will down the road, but certainly not anytime soon. It's a massive open goal for Microsoft and, and Nintendo, right? Like Sony did this to themselves, you know, never, never interrupt the enemy when they're making a mistake. Like all Microsoft has to, has to do is nothing. And just say, yeah, well, our price is still the same. They don't have to crow about it or do, you know, a funny video or something. Just sit there and like take, you know, take, you know, take the free, take the free hit, right? This is this is good for you. Take the take the free W. Um, strangely enough, Mike, after Microsoft came out and said, actually, no, we're not going to raise the price, and Nintendo did the same. All those people that were on my mentions went away. They didn't come back and say, oh, Gary, I was wrong. I'm so sorry that I said that Microsoft. <laughs> gonna... I don't know. I don't know what happened to them. Maybe there was a problem with their internet connection, but I never heard from them again yeah it's interesting how that happens and and again that's that's the whole point of this it's it's just disappointing to see that look i i, I get the eco- economic ramifications of it and we don't know sony's financials and why certain decisions are made but f- from a consumer standpoint to see one saying yeah we're not going to raise the price and the other saying yeah we're going to raise the price everywhere except here where there's real competition it's just not a good look I, I just I think the messaging on this could have been better. Or how about this? Just don't raise the price at all. And and I don't think we're complaining right now because I, I, I think my thing is it we're two years in and it's still very hard to get these consoles. And you have people that have legitimately been trying to get this console for two years. And now they may finally get an opportunity to get one here in the next few weeks or months. And you raise the price on them. So you you never even, if you wanted to get it when the price was lower, you couldn't get it due, due to supply shortages and things like that. And now that that stuff is starting to figure itself out a little more, you raise the price on them. So I don't know. It's just a bad look, I think. The, th- the thing about it is I, I am actually like a little bit sympathetic in the sense that Yes, companies have always passed costs on to consumers. We see that at the gas pump. We see it all kinds mm-hmm. of places, right? Where uh, if a major corporation can either take the hit themselves and make a little bit less money and keep prices the same, or pass the cost onto the consumer, raise prices so they continue to make as much money, corporations are always going to pass the cost onto the consumer. We see it every single time. Now, the difference maybe with Sony is that I don't I don't know for sure this is the case in the PlayStation Five, but historically it's generally been true. I assume it's the same. Is that these consoles are typically manufactured and sold at a loss, right? Sony doesn't make money when they sell you a PlayStation Five. They most likely lose money. Where they make money is getting you into their ecosystem, selling you games and selling you digital goods down the line and making you a you know a loyal Sony consumer. That's typically been the way. The hardware has been loss leaders for the years of software sales that will follow. So if they're already losing money. Right. And then the equation changes due to the global issues, whatever it may be, Ukraine, inflation, and everything becomes more expensive from sourcing components to assembly to even like putting the crates on ships and sending them around the world and getting them into retail stores. If they're suddenly making even less money, if they're now bleeding money, they may well have had no choice but to pass the cost on because suddenly this is like the business is no longer viable. So I am a little bit sympathetic. And the, f- the fact that Microsoft have been able to avoid doing this maybe spend maybe they've got deeper pockets maybe the way their you know manufacturing supply chain business is structured has cushioned them better i don't know i'd be fascinated to see like a deep dive deep dive on how it all works at the bottom line all 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 we know though is that sony i'm so sony don't love the fact like i'm sure they didn't want to have to do this they're they're not going to love this we're going into a holiday season for a lot of people who are going to be choosing a new console for a gift or whatever, Xbox Series X versus PlayStation 5 is already a coin flip for a lot of people. They're very similar propositions, similar in hardware performance, similar in um, you know software base. Again, there are pros and cons, but at the end of the day, they're very, very similar machines. 
but now that but now there's another little checkbox in Xbox's favor. You see the two machines. It, it, if you're lucky, you see the two machines on a shelf this Christmas. You got to make a choice. One's now fifty dollars more expensive than the other. That might be the factor for a lot of people. Here, here's the way I look at it. The the, the big thing about that, from a competitive standpoint, Microsoft versus versus Sony. You know, with this holiday trying to get you to get a next gen console, I'm pretty sure Phil Spencer on down probably saw that. Hey, we're not going to raise the price. This is our opportunity. And it's not the X, it's the S. You know, we've talked about the S plenty of times on the show, how that little machine is actually, you know, kind of their Trojan horse into this next next gen, you know, trying to gain market share. If you think about it, that thing at $299, and I'm just going to compare it to the PS5 digital, it's $150 cheaper now. Mm-hmm. And then when you compare it, you know, obviously, you know, to the bigger one, we're talking, am I doing bad math here? Is that $250? Am I, am I correct in that math? It's two fifty cheaper, and you can get a next gen console. You know, we I'm sure we're seeing all the rumors and stuff about the the Game Pass family plan and all that. You start coupling all that stuff together, you're getting an extreme value on the low end in your entry point into next gen gaming. So, being an Xbox show, obviously we're we're talking about Xbox. I'm pretty sure they're looking at this. As, this is their time now to be able to really yeah. try and make up you know, some of that market share that they lost during the past generation, because the S has already been way more available than the X and the PS5 anyway. So like to your point, a parent walks into a Best Buy this holiday, the S is sitting there, it's $200 cheaper than this PlayStation, which is already going to be hard to get anyways. And they can float Game Pass at you as well. Look at all these games that you get right up front. I I, I think it's almost a no brainer in that sense. it may end up being not that big a deal again, because a lot of people won't even be able to make the choice this holiday. Cause a lot of these consoles just aren't going to be on shelves mm-hmm. or available, you know, digital you know, on Amazon. If you're not like clicking refresh every two seconds after they become available, you might not get one. So that's still you know, the supply chain issue is still like a massive problem for everybody. There will, but it may not be that at the end of the day, there are a lot of people that are, that are looking for a console this holiday. They just they know they want a PlayStation Five or they know they want a Series X, and if the PlayStation Five is fifty dollars more, that's not necessarily going to be enough to like switch them over. They're just going to find the extra fifty dollars. But there are a lot of people in the middle who just want a new console. And they're right. not they're not they're not platform warriors. They just you know they're looking at what's out. They're thinking, well, they are they are largely the same. Just want to play video games. Um, that fifty dollars might be a deciding factor. But again, for me, the the big deciding factor is as Paris is the one that's already that's been there all along, which is the Series S. I've said it a million times, the best console for most people, right? It's it's a really good value. Um, you know, it's it, every time I watch one of these digital foundry breakdowns, one of the one of the consistent takeaways is surprisingly, the Series S version isn't that much worse of a performer than Series X. It actually really punches above its right. weight. And we see this again and again and again. There are some downsides to the Series S. They get storage is not as good as it should be. Um but that's that's probably going to be the and again everyone's broke right like the, like that, that's the problem. it's hard times out there for everyone these days high end luxury purchases are probably off the agenda for a lot of people and that Series S is coming in at just the right level hey listen maybe you can't afford a five hundred dollar console but you can afford a three hundred dollar console and maybe I, I I remember I think we've said this before on the X class I remember when they first announced the Series S and I was like it was a bit of a head scratch I was like what's that for yeah now same. I totally yeah. get it it, it, yeah. it took me it took me a minute to figure it out but I was like oh I get it now. And exactly. sorry, really quick, uh, just to follow up on the the possible math here. Like right now, with the Series S being two ninety nine ninety nine, um, with uh, the discless PS five digital uh, uh, being three ninety nine ninety nine. If that went up fifty dollars in our market, then it would be one hundred and fifty dollars more. I think currently uh, in the U S. market, at least, it's a it's a hundred. 
So a good gap right there. And, you know, Paris and Gary, last week or two weeks ago, we had Adam Boys on the show, right? And, Gary, you brought up the infamous, this is how you share games. You know, you talk about console warriors, you talk about tribalism, but we also look at Phil and the team and how they've migrated past that and kind of taking the high road. Are you surprised, Gary, that they didn't take a jab at PlayStation this week and possibly push forth the marketing? Or do you think we'll see that come holiday season where we might push that forward? No, like I said, I, 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 th- I think that we might be past those days. It's funny, you know, the last time we were on the x we had Adam Boys on the podcast and we talked about here's how you share a game on PlayStation, right? That to me was kind of, and that was, that was funny and we all remember it. And again, that was another example of like an open goal, right? Microsoft really put their foot in it with the Xbox One launch. You have to really remember just how atrocious that was. Oh, even if you buy a physical game, you've only got 30 days to, you know, give it to a friend or whatever. It was appalling. And everyone hated it. And Sony just, again, like it was an open goal. They kicked the ball into the goal and got a, yeah. and got a free win. This is now, you could argue that the shoe's on the other foot now. And Microsoft could have done some, like, even just a cheeky tweet saying, Xbox, you know, Series X, still the same you know, low price or whatever. But they didn't. They 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 refrained from the opportunity to do that. If it, I don't think it would have made much of a difference anyway, other than generating some headlines. You know, Xbox, you know, um, uh, Punk, Sony or whatever. But, like, who cares? I, I think that, we're, we're at the corporate level, at least, again, the the the, the fanboys, the, the toxic tribalists are always going to be going, you know, just sitting there waiting for Xbox to post something so they can go, well, PlayStation better. Like, I don't know what that is, but that's what they do. Um, that's always that's always going to be there. But at the top level, the old the old days of us versus them, like, as that's defined by, you know, kind of the leadership by, you know, the Phil Spencers and Jim Ryans of the world. I feel like that's over. Like when was I like, again, so like the, 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 the place that the, the PlayStation here's how you share a game thing is the last example I can think of, of like, if anything, it's almost like saccharine the other way, you know, like, you know, Phil Spencer and, you know, Corey Bar- Barlog making eyes at each other on Twitter. Can't wait to play your new game. Can't wait to play yours, Phil. Like, it's almost like, come on, get a room. It's like, there's, they're really, really in, like they, 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 it's, it, the pendulum has gone the other way and it's nice to see but it's almost like it's taking us a while to come around so wait you guys are supposed to hate each other because that's what we grew up with i am old enough to remember the console wars of the 90s when it was really toxic yeah so was it sega do that nintendo not i think sega does slogan. what nintendo don't yeah, yeah right um to your point of what you're talking about gary i mean i i think that's just a reflection like think about it and then the same week i don't know if we're going to talk about this anyways but you know the phil spencer interview with with bloomberg I mean, that would contradict everything that he was just talking about. I want gaming to be everywhere. I want to see gaming on all these multiple platforms. We have a great relationship with PlayStation and the Activision stuff and all all those things that he talked about. I'm with you. I think that type of stuff that we saw back in 2013 is from an era that we're no longer in, where it's, it's more about, look, yes, we're competitors, but it's a friendly competition, so to speak, right? We're not trying to get these gotcha moments and these these dunk tweets and things like that. I, I, I think Microsoft said all they needed to say, we're not raising the price. That's it. <laughs> you don't you don't need to celebrate that you're not raising the price. Like if you want to lower the price, now we can start talking. But of course, they weren't going to do that. You don't, so. you don't always have to take the low-hanging fruit. Yeah, exactly. Very well said to both of you. And of course, this holiday, maybe we can bring some more value because... We have some branding for the Xbox Game Pass family plan that we've been talking about. We'll talk about that in just a moment, right after a word 
from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Using the internet without ExpressVPN is like checking in your baggage at the airport without a lock. You don't know who's looking through all your stuff, finding all of your Nintendo Switches, your PlayStation Vitas, or all the other things that you're hiding in there. When you go online without a VPN, internet service providers, ISPs, can see every single website you visit. They can legally sell this information without your consent. Nobody wants that. That sounds like a bad time for everybody. You can browse more anonymously it's easy to use and it works on all devices i love expressvpn it is super simple to use i feel safe across all of my devices knowing that whether i'm on my desktop or my mobile phone people aren't getting in there i'm safe on the internet and what i look at what i browse that's mine. That's for me to know. Secure your online activity by visiting expressvpn.com slash kind of funny today. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash kind of funny. And you can get an extra three months free. Expressvpn.com slash kind of funny. Next up, shout out to Chime. Like a cool breeze, Chime is a refreshing way to handle your money. There's no monthly fees, no maintenance fees, and no minimum balance fees. So it's how banking should be done. And when you need access to your money, you can do so fee-free at more than 60,000 in-network ATMs at many locations like most Walgreens or 7-Elevens. You can also send money to anyone even if they aren't on Chime. Fee-free for you and no cash-out fees for them. Chime, no monthly fees no vibe killing fees sign up for a chime checking account it only takes two minutes and it doesn't affect your credit score you can get started at chime.com slash kf games that's chime.com slash kf games chime is a financial technology company not a bank banking services provided by a debit card issued by the Bancorp bank or stride bank na members fdic out of network atm withdrawal fees apply except at money pass atm in a 7-eleven location and at all owl point or visa plus alliance ATM. Other fees such as third-party and cash deposit fees may apply. Chime.com slash KF Games. Guys, welcome back, everyone. Uh, it looks like we may have some official branding coming from a leak for Xbox Game Pass family plan that we've been talking about. Uh, it looks like we do have some possible official branding coming from the Xbox family plan. Uh, thanks to a post, I'm going to definitely mispronounce this. Bear, do you know how they've been pronouncing this on Games Daily? Uh, this Twitter post, that Twitter no, post, they, yeah. they, they they read it from an article, so I don't think they okay, brought okay. up the Twitter user. Okay, well then, uh, this is from the Twitter user. I'm going to call him Lumia, but I know that is a that's a Twitter account that people say usually has a lot of back end information. But this is the branding that they posted, and it says in bold letters, "Game Pass Friends and Family Edition." Right there, Paris, you've been a big advocate for the family plan. How do you think about this branding with friends involved in the thing? makes makes total sense because go ahead and state what everyone's going to do anyways. Right. I mean, yes. if you're, if you're not going to stop people from sharing this with some of their friends, just make it a part of the overall message, you know, instead of pretending that it's only going to be family, if you're not locking people out of sharing it outside of the home, which we've talked about before, that really wouldn't make a lot of sense anyways, especially with cloud gaming and things like that. If I can, hand off a couple uh, of, of those account shares to to some, some close friends, go ahead, promote it, do it, because we're going to do it anyways. Yeah, I uh, for me, right, the goody two-shoes inside of me, I've always had a hard time with the, oh, it's for your family, and then you share it with friends, right? And I know people are going to yell at their screens about that, but I do like that. I think it's more welcoming. I think it's open, and it makes me feel safer and more complicit with it of like, 
yes, I can share with my friends. Now I'm happy. I'm yeah. not breaking the rules. There's nobody going to bang on my door the next day when I share with five of my friends. I love this branding and I really like this. I hope this is what it comes down to be with Game yeah. Pass for friends and family. Like, Gary, like me, I, like, I'm sorry. I'll just say real quick before yeah, yeah. you go to Gary. Like me, I already know what I'm going to do. Obviously, I'm going to share it with my three kids. I'm going to have it. And then my nephew, I'm going to give it to him, oh. <laughs> right? There's all five right there, done, easy. But not everyone's going to have four of the people that they're sharing with. And might they might have a couple close buddies they want to share it with, too. I love that you kick Khalif and Danny Payne out of the family. Oh, they're you know not. I, mean? I love mm, that you, they're out. No, no, they're not friends. Especially <laughs> Khalif, because he can't cook. We had to get that in the show right there. <laughs> Gary, what do you think about the friends being involved in this one? Yeah, I mean, in a way, it's nothing new. I mean, you know, we remember like in, in, in the cell phone world, the idea of a friends and family plan. We've seen that many times. Remember, he could have like five numbers that you could call for free. And it was like, you know, before this was back in the days before Unlimited. Uh, but like you, you, friends and family, just define any five people that you call most often. They could be family members. They could be friends. They could be whoever. Um, and you can just, you know, they, they, they get kind of ring fenced from any, any charges or whatever. Uh, Nintendo, I don't think they explicitly say it, but they don't care who you share Nintendo switch online with. If you get, if you get the quote unquote family plan, that's eight accounts. That's real. I mean, that's even more generous than what Microsoft is proposing and they don't care who you give it to. It can be friends. It can be family. They could be anywhere. Like you've got eight accounts that you can share um, any way that you want. It's actually one of the, one of the more consumer friendly things that Nintendo has done. It's kind of out of character for them. Strangely um, with this one, I think it makes, yeah, again, it makes, it makes it's too hard to enforce anyway. What do they want to see? Like your family tree before you, you know, share it with someone? They may as well just let you do it. Um, in my case, actually, most of when, when I sign up, most of like the the additional. So we've got three people in the family that would use it, and then I'll have two extras. I have two brothers-in-law and their families. They both have Xboxes, so I'll give it. I'll give it to them, and they actually will all be in the family. I was gonna give one to Blessing. But then he started slagging me off behind my back on Kind of Funny Games Daily about wow. a first-spoken trailer that I had nothing to do with. He and did. so he, he can go pay for his well, own Xbox. I, I, I don't know if, like, uh, we're, like, I think we correctly attributed you to writing, uh, helping with, like, lore stuff in Forspoken. I think is what happened on that game. I, I, I don't know the details. I just I was okay. I just heard okay. it through the grapevine that Blessing was, yeah. was talking shit about me, so yeah. he can yeah. pay for his own Game Pass. Yeah, yeah Gary Witted don't play no games Right, you know what I mean. He don't play that game. You don't I hear, that. I hear everything. I was minding my own business, and somebody hits me up on Discord. Hey, blessings talking shit about you on kind of funny games daily. So I, <laughs> I, I jumped into the chat, and there he was talking shit about me. Well, blessing is Mr. Disney games anyway, so he, he yeah, doesn't need any games. We'll pass, see so. him next week. Is right. Yeah. Um, he can play Corporate Synergy Valley or whatever it's called on Xbox. <laughs> that Disney game. Well, that's some good shots over at Blessing, of course. Uh, you know what, Harris, you brought it up. Big Boss Phil Spencer was on Bloomberg Studio 1.0 and had a really great interview, uh, about 30 minutes, about 24 minutes, if you want to go check that one out. But a couple of really good highlights, right? Feeling good about the current acquisition with Activision and Blizzard. Had some good insights there. He talked about he talked about exclusives, right? Kind of being a thing of the past. And I know, Paris, you had a big conversation last week on Gamertag Radio that everybody's been talking about. Uh, the exclusive part I want to talk about with you there. Talking about players being in the metaverse for over 30 years, right? Not seeing the metaverse as a new thing, right? But this is something that they've already been doing. Uh, the demand will be tight this holiday season, he talked about. And hopefully things will get better in 2023, where you might see game uh, game consoles on shelves. And then, of course, the team is not done with 
acquisitions and searching for the next big thing with deals. They're looking for geographic expansion is critical and cloud gaming really being something special, not only for gamers, but for developers to build and create off of were some of the big highlights there that I took away. But of course, if you have Phil on any interview, you should always check it out if you're a big fan of that one. But Paris, what were some of the big takeaways from that? It sounds like you did watch that. Yeah, I did, I did watch it. And to the point about exclusives, I think what people need to take away from what he's, he was saying is what Microsoft has already been doing basically since 2016 with Play Anywhere. And it's obviously integrated up to what it is now. What they're telling you is we're not going to lock you into just an Xbox console to play our games. We're going to let you play it on PC with our cloud technology. We're bringing it to a Samsung TV, to your mobile device and all these other things that are going to be Internet connected. Um, will there be, you know, obviously some of their games show up on, on a PlayStation platform already, you know, in Minecraft and with this Activision deal, Call of Duty, things like that are going to be on a PlayStation platform. But will there still be exclusive games that will never show up on a PlayStation platform, like something like a Starfield. Yeah, they're still going to do that, just like PlayStation ain't bringing Spider-Man over, over to the Xbox, right? But I think what we're seeing with the industry overall is the lines are starting to be blurred about we no longer need you to pick up that console and stick it under your TV. We are going to give you other options to be able to play our games. Xbox is clearly doing it. We're starting to see PlayStation do it with pc integration they're doing cloud stuff as well they just bought that mobile studio today um as of this recording so they get it too and and that's just good for us we just we just get play whatever the hell you want play whatever you want look i know some people got mad at me because i was talking about on twitter about wanting more pc only games my only thing on that is if you make a game that works great with mouse and keyboard don't force it to use a controller if you don't have to that that's all that message was, but you know how Twitter goes. But uh, to the point again, what he was saying, yeah, the lines are being blurred. the The days of just these console exclusives that you'll never see anywhere else, they're going away. I really liked that interview. I thought it was really, really good. Well worth your time if you want to put it on while you're working out or taking the dog out for a quick walk, guys. To finish out the show, we have seven new games announced for Game Pass coming day one, thanks to Humble Games. So over there on Humble Games, you have some titles to look forward to. Already released Midnight Fight Express, currently out for PC, Cloud, and Console. Then you have Moon Scars for PC, Console, and Cloud. Coral Island for PC. Ghost Song for PC, Console, Cloud. Infinite Guitars for PC, Console, Cloud. Uh, and Signalis coming for PC, Console, and Cloud. So keep an eye out. For all of those games coming your way. I know Midnight Fight Express, myself and Andy will be sitting down to play that on Thursday if you're listening to this on the podcast over on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games. But with that, guys, another great week of the kind of funny X cast. A nice, short, easy episode, but also a good one. Some great in depth conversations from the both of you. And we got to learn a little bit about your anime love. And that's all that really matters on the show. Thank you to each and every one of you for tuning in and watching. We'll see you next week. For more Xbox talk, thank you for tuning in to the Kind of Funny X-Cast. Peace. Peace.